0: You're listening to the Tool Station Western League podcast with Ian Knockolds and Tom Hiscott.
1: Welcome to episode nine of the Tool Station Western League podcast. My name's Ian Knockolds, and I'm delighted to welcome on the phone, as I always do, my old sparring partner, Tom Hiscott. Tom, did you have a good weekend?
2: Yeah, very much so. Uh, good, good fun was had. How about
1: yourself? Yeah, family weekend, very much. Uh... One with the kids, one with the wife, so very very enjoyable indeed. Before we begin today's podcast, I'm really enthused to introduce our first item, which is an interview that I did with Sandy Webb. Now for those people who don't know Sandy, um Sandy and her and her husband Doug have written a book, it's a history of the Western League, a hundred years of the Western League, called A View from the Terraces. To celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Western League, which is a feature that we're very, very keen to promote on, on this year's podcast, um, Sandy and her, uh, and her husband have updated that book, and I caught up with Sandy to find out a little bit about her favourite features of that 125 years of Western League football. And I started by asking her, What made her fall in love with the Western League?
3: My brother was in goal for Chippenham Town Football Club um, and... My husband, now Doug, was um, chairman of Chipton Football Club. Um, as, as time went on, Doug was on his own with a couple of lads. I was on my own with a couple of lads. And in, in 1983, we got married. And from then onwards, we dedicated ourselves to football. And we, we absolutely adored the Western League. Even when Chippenham went to the Southern League, our hearts never left the Western League. And I don't think since that time we've missed one Western League convention. Um, somehow the Southern League didn't come. It at all with us, um, and so and so we've always loved the Western League.
1: Well, you're, you're preaching very much to the converted here because, of course, um, the podcast listeners are very much um, Western League watchers, but um. It's, it's one thing to love the Western League and it's one thing to be involved with the clubs, but, of course, it's quite a different thing to undertake the writing of a history. Now, I know you are a published author and, um, and you've, you've, you've covered other histories, but, of course, it's the view from the terraces that has really caught the imagination of the Western League family. What was it that prompted you to write that story?
3: It, it was actually the death of Les Phipps, um who was absolutely inspirational. Um, he, he was quite bombastic, but he was inspirational and he did revive... Um, the league and, and I can remember we were coming back and I th- can't remember whether, it, I think it might have been from Liscard, which was a long journey back at the time and I can remember sat in the car talking to Doug about how we missed him and we both had a view to the 100 years coming up and, and we suddenly realised that it'd be really good to dedicate a book to him so the, the view from the terraces, is the 100 years and um, we did dedicate to Les um, very much so because of what he did to revive, revive the league in the nineteen. 19- 70s
1: so we're going to talk about Les in a minute And what he did to revive the league in the 1970s But the story obviously starts 125 years ago And uh, what, So what was football like then? How different was our Western League than, than, than the one we know today?
3: Uh, football was totally different What people don't realise is that Or I didn't realise even Was that rugby at the time You know, everyone knows that association rules came from rugby rules But association football actually took over very quickly in, in the 1860s, because the English FA um, came came along, it really took over, and rugby was very much a second-class sport. But it was also, and this is really strange, when I'm, I mean I'm a lover of Chippenham Town, obviously, and they were formed in 1873. And when they were formed, they actually used to sometimes meet on the bridge and decide whether they were going to play rugby rules or association rules. And believe it or not, in some games they combine the rules. In the second half, they're deciding that the conditions and the people weren't right and so they'd actually play as different as a different rule association in one in rugby and the other or vice versa so it was a very different sport and when you think about the pitches the pitch was just a barren piece of land even but the, the crossbar wasn't invented until about the time that the Western League started 125 years ago but before that it was just two sticks in the ground and the, the I'll give you an example of one of the really obscure ones is the goalkeeper early on you could swap goalkeepers as long as the person who went in goals shouted that he was the goalkeeper and everyone knew that he was taking the position as goalkeeper and the goalkeeper at the time could run up to the halfway line provided he dapped the ball down every, every so many steps so it was a really strange strange game of course, most of the history, and, and I would say most of the 125-year history, there wasn't a thing called substitutes either. So the rules of the game were very much cruder, especially early on, where if you could injure an opponent, that opponent couldn't take any more part in the game. And so the uh, the opposition was down to 10 men or 9 men, which obviously was a tactic that could, you could use. Something that I'm sure we'd love to do nowadays, but it, 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 with the, with substitutes we can't do. So, yeah.
1: Now, I, I know from my own um, limited knowledge on, on, on footballing history in this area that Welton Rovers are one of the um, the oldest um, member sides of, of the Western League. But what other teams were around in those early days? What other names would uh, would people recognise today?
3: Okay, in the in the very early days, you probably wouldn't recognise Clifton Association or, or people like that who, or clubs like that. But you would recognise Millwall and Chelsea and um, Plymouth and Swindon and. Bristol Rovers in Bristol City and all of them in, in, in at the end of the 1800s, beginning of the 1900s, they, they all took part in what was a Wednesday League, but they all took part, part in the Western League. And if you have a look in the in both books actually, the, the View from the Terraces and the, the new one, which is called Another View from the Terraces, um, that you'll find that there's a picture of Millwall with their, their medals that they actually won in the League and they actually were very, very good members some weren't good members. Um, Reading actually were very reliable members as well of it. But it was highly prized right the way up to, I think it was 1910, 1909, 1910, when, when Association Football nationally got more of a handle and they were then going on with the Southern League because, of course, the Southern League weren't formed when we were formed initially. They were a couple of years younger than us. And the Southern League in 1909, 1910... Actually actually. Actually, expanded and looked as though they were going to be a part of the National League because at the time there were very few teams that were actually from the west of England or the south of England. Most were from the north of England in the national side. Um, so so they all left en masse and, and at that time we recruited from Wales. Now you may not think that recruiting sides from Wales, we recently had Merthyr Tydfil, obviously um, in our in our league, but it was very difficult because there wasn't a bridge to go over to get there. You either had to go through the tunnel, which was um, fairly new, or you had to get the ferry across. So it was quite arduous or you had to go all the way around Hereford which was down country tracks on Still very, very crude transport, because there weren 't the cars around there weren 't the buses around to to transport us, and sometimes there were things I think they called them charabangs where there, it was like a great big um, uh, trailer thing that was pulled by a couple of horses, but anyhow, anyhow, it was very difficult at the time, but to to compensate for the those league, those big named clubs um, leaving we we did actually um, eventually get. Welsh clubs. Some clubs complain like Melksham
1: going to Buckland. I mean, that's a bit of a trek, and particularly when they close the M5. Um, but um, actually, from what you're describing, a situation where Western League sides from the West Country would be travelling to London or c- clubs from London would be coming down here to play
3: in competitive uh, games? Yeah, that, that, that was the, the professional clubs, because of course, what I forgot to say was the professional amateur divide was huge, and the professional clubs very much had their players as um, chattel really because they were there to earn money for the bosses and so they needed extra games to play to bring the income so they had full-time professionals who used to come down down. it it was it was a road I mean it, it wasn't a road that we recognize now but they still used to come down and of course the advantage was Brunel's railway link because Brunel's railway link opened up masses for for the western league it's why the western league really came into the fore because they were able to they, I think it went right the way down to Exeter um, and beyond um, by the time that the league was really uh, 1906 I think um, but, but anyhow, it, yeah, it was very very difficult.
1: One of the other things that again from my sort of limited knowledge was the, the size of the crowds. Now um, regular podcast listeners will know that last season I had a massive rant that Hengrove who were, who went on a fantastic winning run only were only getting about 30 people to go and watch their Games, and I thought this was ridiculous, but actually, I mean, and and my own hometown club, Melksham, of course, famous for getting very large gates. And when we say very large, we're talking about 300, 400 um, plus. But actually, the gates um, around the sort of the the post war era were significantly bigger than even that, weren't they?
3: The Western League went through a stage post war, and it was a boom stage, and and it was a boom stage in football, really, because um, people came back from the war and they needed leisure, they'd got through some very, very difficult times. And even though there was petrol rationing and food rationing and clothes rationing and they had to overcome all of that, what they wanted was enjoyment and pleasure. And, and immediately after the war you started getting crowds at some of the games of and we were talking thousands, we were talking maybe one to two thousand people at games and Western League games. And the Western League itself was a very, very respectable league. It was on a par with the Southern League at that time. And, and, and the I think it expanded at one time to probably the size it is now, but it was huge compared to to pre war and, and of course that that went on right the way up until about the mid 1950s but by the mid 1950s you had a thing called, believe it or not, supermarkets opening in the mid and late 50s, which were a total fascination. And people used to not go to football on a Saturday by the orders of their wives so that they'd go to the to the supermarket. And especially if they had a car, obviously, in the car, but that was a luxury. And then, of course, the biggest thing was was the... Advent of the television in the front room, that little box in the corner in the front room caused havoc with our gates and By one thousand nine hundred and sixty the league was actually down to I think it was about fourteen clubs in one division because there they just weren 't the crowds. the crowds had gone they 'd started using their leisure time doing other things. And the bigger problem about nineteen sixty four, you always had match of the day on television. So in the corner of your tele in the corner of your room, you had this little box, black and white, I mean when colour came that was another revolution, but you had a black and white television there showing you what football was about and then you would not go into your local games because you you had people saying, Well, why are we paying to go in all winds and weathers to watch that level of football? when we can sit in the comfort of our home so during the 60s all the crowds went absolutely so low and Of course, there was also an increase in the amount of leagues that were available as well. So clubs kept on leaving and going into county leagues and going into the Hellenic League and things like that. But by the 70s, we were in real trouble. And and I do mean real trouble. Come 73, it looked as though the league was maybe not going to keep going. And then a certain gentleman called Les Phillips came along who was... Quite a bombastic character, but he was visionary. And he actually heard about uh, Rothmans. And Rothmans were a company who sold cigarettes. And at the time, they wanted to sell more cigarettes, which was not, as in these days, a a bad thing. But the government was beginning to think that they should curb the amount of cigarettes on sale. But anyhow, Rothmans had lots of money, and they, they came and invested in the league. And all of a sudden, in 76... Everybody in the West Country who was anybody at a football club wanted to be a member of the Western League. Rothmans actually uh, also had um, the, inter, the, the Jersey League. Um, they also had the Northern League. They had a national coverage of leagues um, and they had interleague games. I, I can remember one stage where they were actually going to go to Zambia fly off to Zambia and Les had his ticket, he had, I think he had his yellow fever injection already and then the government came out with uh, the diktat that um, we weren't allowed to go to Africa because of um, the, the things that were going on there um, And so he unfortunately wasn't able to go to Zambia um, But he went, he went on the inter-Ireland tours And it was absolutely superb And everybody loved the Western League And could only see things getting better But what actually happened Was the government, out of the blue Banned the Rothmans from actually Having anything to do with sport When I say anything They still allowed them to do racing Car racing, and I, I don't know why that is, has always escaped this this um, thing. But anyhow, anyhow, so they um, withdrew, and that was a big um, hit for the Western League at the time not to be sponsored and for a couple of years we weren't sponsored and then all of a sudden Laurie McEnany I don't know whether anyone out there would remember Laurie McKenemy's name but Laurie McEnany actually was highlight was fronting um, Great Mills and Great Mills came along and sponsored and they were sponsors for years and years and years of the league and they were actually still sponsors when we had our hundred year um celebrations um, which was it revived it and the, I think the eighties will always be in my mind is one of my most spectacular times with the Western League. Some of those games we, we were extending at the time right the way down to Cornwall. We had we had the wonderful people from Liscard who were the funniest people you could go. They 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 enlivened wherever they were and I could tell you some tales of 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 the Western League dinners um, because I've, I've been to every. Since the early 80s, and some of the things that they did were so funny. But anyhow, that's that's by the way. That is that is the family of the Western League. That really is. Um, but we also had Saltash, we had Exmouth, we had Bartsbourne, Biddeford um, in North Devon. We even had Swanage one time as well. So we were all over the place. We had a fantastic
1: depth of a league. Um, your recollections there of the Western League Convention is a wonderful segue, actually, into one of the things I wanted to ask you. When you were researching the book, of course, it's Oft, often, the things that we are um, our great memories are the things that that motivate us to do what you 've done to write the book to write the story, but sometimes it 's in doing the research that you find things that are truly exceptional, things that you had no idea about at the time. What hidden gems were there in your research when you were, when you were looking back on a, on at on first one hundred years of the, of the Western League
3: I think I was most shocked. Um, about about how the football evolved more than anything um, and the effect it had on communities. Because, and, and, and I shouldn't be shocked because it is very much a part of a community thing. But if you take, in your area, if you take Radstock, Welton, and Polton Triangle, they were lovely, lovely, really deep mining communities. And I, I, I can remember finding some research somewhere about how the obviously the, the half day on a Saturday affected football because the, the Government Act came along and said they could have a half day off. But they would actually run from the pit And actually leave at one o'clock And they would go and they would play football But they'd still be covered in soot and dust From from coal mining And you can just see And they were rough Of course they were rough Because they fought hard You know, they played hard They worked hard And they were against each other Because it was almost Collier against Collier And it, it was just, I think Just the images of that type of thing And then there was Camerton. Um, Camerton very early on. I mean, we're talking about before in, during the Victorian era, and they actually went to the Camerton Inn, and the lady at the Camerton Inn always oh, used to cook ham so that they could have food afterwards. I mean, how wonderful was that? Because you don't sometimes get that even now. You don't not good fresh food like that. So, so yeah, I, I, I think some of the little nuances of of football that tells you just how not just the results. The results are very important. Who wins and who loses who goes up who goes down obviously very important to those clubs but it's actually the the way that it actually fits in with the community in the way that it fits in one of the things is really significant it hasn't changed at all the dedication that people actually put into their football clubs absolutely still as dedicated and I think you'll find in the new book that we actually finish on a bit of a strange note because we, we all right, we finished with all the new technology, which obviously has affected. But we were very, very affected by the way that um, Porter's Head had their whole... They'd worked so hard on everything that they did, and then a group of travellers went in and actually trashed their their place. And the, I could feel the pain, and my husband could feel the pain for them, because it was going to take a long, long time for them to actually come back from that, and there's no-one going to come and give them any money, and it's the dedication of the people there that actually that actually makes their club survived something as devastating as that. And we do end up talking about that because I think that's very significant nowadays because maybe in the early days people wouldn't go in trash. You know, just just for just for pure social reasons go and do anything to your, to your ground and they respect it whereas now maybe there's other social things other reasons if you lock up your ground I believe that their ground was actually locked up and someone actually cut the padlock and went in and did that and didn't have any respect for those people who work so hard and dedicated to their sport and that is disgraceful so we, we do finish on a slightly... Um, sour note, in a way, at the end of 125 years, because I hope that when the next person takes it on in 25 years' time and decides to do the book again, they'll start on that note and say, hopefully, that respect has been given to the people who dedicate their lives to football, and that something has happened that the police may be more active in preventing that type of action.
1: Sandy, that's an incredibly powerful message you've mentioned a few times the, the new book, The 125 Years. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the story? What brought that about to mark this important occasion?
3: Okay, it, it's really funny because I, I've been working for six or seven years researching um, the, the Chippenham history because obviously that's my club and John Paul came and just said to us, would we like to do an update and do a book for 25 years to make it uh, for the 125th year, and I suddenly found that, to my surprise, that a view from the terraces that my tatty little book um, was on the internet for some ridiculous prices, because it isn't anywhere. It, because of course, back in 1992, there wasn't the technology there, there wasn't the Google, there wasn't the the, the emails, the Twitters, the Instagrams, there wasn't the computers at home and everything, and it's been lost, and all we've got is a. I mean I've got four copies at home. Anybody wants to bid for it? Well, I've got four <laughs> copies. But 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 the thing is that there wasn't any history and so with the availability of research now, because there's a thing called British Newspapers Online, which I've absolutely delved into and spent hours and hours and hours on because they are so fascinating to look at. But now that we can do the research properly, I realised that we'd have to do the hundred and twenty-five years of the book, not twenty-five years of the book. And so we went right the way back to the beginning, and whereas a view from the terraces was actually the view of of one individual who was born on the same day of the league, Tom. He died after the 100 years and he was gone now. But we've managed to quote some of these things because they were quite quite unique, really. They were little insights into, into behind the scenes. But But we've actually updated it so that we've gone from the year one right the way up to... to to the end of last season to be quite honest Um, and the huge change in the last 25 years you cannot believe you just cannot believe what changes we've had even if you take because I try to do it all with social context because everything that happens in our lives affects us And if you take the recession, we had a recession so many times in our 125 years, but the recession of, of 2009, 2010 really hit clubs and it hit everybody because all of a sudden, you'll, you'll see in the book that, you know, all of a sudden the government decided, whereas they'd been a little bit lax with tax and VAT, they suddenly decided they were going to absolutely hammer clubs. They started taking clubs to court. They started bankrupting clubs. The, the, the bank managers weren't willing to be a little bit easier on you. And everything became difficult. So the social conditions actually had, had a heck of an effect on us but there's also in the last 25 years whereas our our club our, our league, sorry, has has gone through the World War, the First Year, World War, the Second World War, but now we've got 9-11, we've got terrorism, we've got completely different circumstances that we have to deal with in our lives, and it all impacts on football. And it sounds silly, but it does actually fit into the book, I, I can assure you. So, so all of those things together have made the last, right in about the last 25 years, very interesting, especially given the 100 years before that, because we were able... Able to look back, and we were able to say, "Well, that may sound unique, but it didn't actually. It happened in 1929 when there was the the national, uh, the international recession. When was the, There was the Great Depression, and this is how the clubs uh, coped then, and this is how the clubs have coped now. And the league, to be fair, has never gone out of existence, which is amazing because an awful lot of leagues have. We've got very close to it, but we've never gone out of existence."
1: Sanding. I think I could talk to you for hours. This is this is this is a, it's a fascinating discussion. I've got one last question. It's probably the most important question of all, actually. For those people who are listening to this interview, who want to read your your new book, how uh, well? What's it called? And and where can they get hold of it?
3: Right. It's called Another View from the Terraces. Um, it's with caution print at this very moment, and it's due out at the Groundhoppers on the sixth of October. That will be the first time that it'll be for sale. Twelve pound fifty, and um, I. I hope that you enjoy it i will eventually be putting it online but i'd just like to sell the copies that we've got first please and my thanks
1: to sandy webb there for making the time to speak to me we'll be getting straight back into the meat and drink of what we normally cover and of course um, the first thing that we'll cover is the results in the week we won't go through all of them but we will pick out some highlights and uh, certainly if you're a clevedon fan tom there was a highlight on tuesday the 19th of september
2: yeah, great 2-1 win away at Brislington, a very late goal to uh, to claim the three points. Um, Aaron Cornwell was uh, sent off in the 11th minute for the home side, uh, but uh, Brislington did actually manage to regroup and took the lead just before half-time uh, with Nikhil Plummer firing home a penalty. Uh, Cleveland managed to respond, uh, equalising through Tyler Ashmead, and then uh, as it looked like a draw was, was on the card, Sakani Carney Simpson uh, struck three minutes from time uh, to give Cleveland the 2-1 win.
1: Now, an incredibly impressive win away from home for Keynesham Town in the First Division.
2: Yes, yeah, 6-2 uh, against Chiffinham Park. I think we'd, last week we picked out Chiffinham's uh, lack of goals at either end. So obviously, they're doing well defensively, but uh, they met a Cainsham side who, who, um, who hit, the, hit, the, hit their straps it's A 6-2 win, as I say. Uh, Alex Pring and Darren Moss uh, scored for the home side, uh, either side of a, a Kyle Box strike. Uh, and then in the second half, five uh, nil it was to Cainsham. um Rather ran away of the game. Uh, Matt Brown scoring a hat trick, uh, and Cameron Shorty and Craig Wilson also getting on the goal action.
1: Now, Tom, possibly the highlight of our podcast this week is the game that took place on Wednesday, the twentieth of September, and that is the, uh, the the FA Cup final of the Tool Station Western League. It's the replay between Cadbury Heath and Bridport, and that was another humdinger, wasn't it?
2: It really was. Uh, having drawn two all uh, in the uh, the opening leg on on Saturday, um, a 3-2 win this time for Brentford, but it, it came after extra time. Uh, Teams met at Springfield obviously on Wednesday evening and a really good crowd again and it was Bridgeport who, who made the dream start uh, they scored twice in the opening quarter hour through Richard Hebditch and Tom Richardson uh, to, to take the two goal lead uh, Cadbury managed to get back into the game on the hour mark with Simon McEvoy pulling a goal back and then really late on, 89th minute uh, they levelled things uh, in, in dramatic fashion uh, through Matt Huxley uh, so obviously the game then uh, went to extra time and uh, in the second half of that extra time, it was Ed Butcher uh, who found enough space on the left-hand side uh, to fire home and uh, send Bridport through to the next round. And obviously this Saturday they take on uh, St Albans City, and we wish them all the best.
1: I'm delighted to be joined back on the Toolstation Station Western League podcast by, well, something of an old friend of the podcast now. It wasn't that long ago we spoke to him last time. It's Adam Fricker, the manager of, uh, of Bridport. Adam, um, really wanted to catch up with you before your massive FA Cup game uh, on, uh, on Saturday, but, but uh, I think um, we, we should turn our attention, really, to the double-header um, against Cadbury Heath. And um, Cadbury Heath, really, late, they led you a merry dance. It was a titanic clash, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was um, a great effort for the Western League. I would say, um, from our perspective, you know, we didn't we didn't start great in the first game. Um, thankfully, the Jason Hutchins he kept us in it at half time, and we were only the one 0 down. Um, but then second half, we really, you know, we really, um, we really rose to the occasion um, and obviously dominated the second half and absolutely gutted when uh, when they scored in the last minute. But um, for the lads to dust themselves off and go up the other end and uh, score straight away, it's a credit credit to the credit to the boys, to be fair.
1: And it was a big crowd, wasn't it? You had a big crowd for that for that game. That was Saturday the sixteenth of September. You had them at your place, but then you had the travelling to do on Wednesday. You had to go up to Cadbury East. Did you think after that first tie that you were still in it or do you think your chance had gone?
0: No, I think we were very I think we were very much in it because um you're looking at how how the game turned on Saturday, and sort of them equal uh, them them thinking they'd won it in the last minute to, to us going up the other end and keeping ourselves in the hat. You know, we, we just needed to go up there and, and and keep the momentum going. And and I think from you know certainly the reports that I saw on Saturday, they, uh, Cabri Heath as a team felt that you know they they had got away with one to be fair on Saturday, but you know, we went up there on Wednesday full of confidence and, and started where we left off in the first forty five minutes. That's for sure.
1: Well, it was an identical scoreline again, wasn't it? Um, after the after the ninety minutes, and it was only after extra time that um, that the two sides could be separated.
0: Yeah, definitely, it was. It was. It it, it seemed like it was going to be a, a heartbreaking um, heartbreaking way for us when they equalised, sort of in the last minute after, you know, after we played so well for for ninety minutes. Um, and looking at the lads, they they looked absolutely down down on their knees but it's it's a massive credit to uh, to the team that we've got this season that they uh, they dusted themselves off and, and for 30 minutes in extra time they were they were outstanding and and I think it was capri that were you know that were down on their knees a little bit to be fair and, and we seem to get stronger
1: I mean it's a Wednesday game and uh, and many of the interviews I've done with managers so far particularly in this early phase of the season uh, managers talk about how difficult it is to get hold of all of the players for Saturday midweek Saturday midweek games obviously this was an important game for for you and for Bridport but I mean Cadbury Heath it's quite a trek to go for in the midweek you were obviously able to take a very strong side to that game
0: yeah i agree it is it can be tough midweek games but um you know one thing that we stress to the lads is is that you know, at the level that we're playing at, um, the understanding is that you do have to play Saturday and midweek. So, um, you know, we expect that level of commitment from the lads when you know when, when they sign on for the club. Um, and I, we do appreciate that you know players do miss midweek games, um, and it is difficult. It's difficult for myself and, and, and my management team to to get there for games. But um, I think if you can um, if you can manage your time, nine times out of ten, you should be able to get there. But that's what the squads for, um, as far as we're concerned. And, and you need to utilise that to the best of its ability.
1: Well, it just goes to show the commitment that you and your side have made to competing in, uh, in this year's competition. Um, you uh, potentially came down to earth with something of a bump on Saturday because you had to return to Premier Division action. You had another trip, this time away to Bitten, in front of much more of a modest crowd of only 42. Um, and Bitten, of course, are a team that I've talked up on this year's podcast. They've certainly got plenty of players that I'm familiar with from my Southern League days. And, uh, and you gave them a good hiding, didn't you?
0: Yeah, we did. It was um, it was surprising to a certain extent because we we were going up there knowing knowing full well that it was going to be a tough game. You know, they they've signed a lot of players from the Southern League um, that have dropped down a level. Uh, we were expecting a very tough afternoon, especially after the 120 minutes that we played on Wednesday. Um, but. You know, we didn't we didn't get a chance to be perfectly honest. Um, we got at them right from the first whistle, and um, and for us, it, it, it just came to show. I think that you know we we wanted it that little bit more than than they actually did. Um, and you know, we were worthy of a five nil. And and to be honest, if it wasn't for their keeper, I think it could have been more.
1: So, a good workout before the big game. It's coming up on this Saturday, the thirtieth of September, and it's away. To St Albans City. So, if we were talking about Bitten and Cadbury Heath being a trek, then you've got to go to St Albans. But I imagine that you, you know, it, it's a wonderful opportunity to play a conference south. If we're allowed to call it the conference, I think I've got to call it the National League now. Yeah. Um, National League South side, St Albans City. I know that they're going very well in their division. How much do you know
3: about them?
0: Um, yeah, we've you know we've watched a few videos um, that we've seen of them, um, and um, had a bit of information fed back from a couple of couple of people that we know that that are in their league. But yeah, we're we're under no illusions that. You know we're going to need a lot of luck on our side Saturday, um, and they're certainly going to need to have an off day for us to, you know, to stand much of a chance. But that's what the FA Cup's all about. You know, as far as as far as we're concerned, our our cup final was, you know, was against Cadbury Heath and and getting ourselves to the third round qualifying to give us this opportunity. So, you know, we'll just we'll just go up there and enjoy the occasion. Obviously, be competitive, um, look to win the game, be positive. But um, like I say, we're under no illusions of, of the task that's in front of us. But it's just a you know a fantastic classic occasion for the for the club and, and for, for myself and my management team to be able to manage in at this level and um and the team to be able to play at this level. It's um you know you don't often get that chance in non league football.
1: Um, your supporters must be absolutely delighted. Do you know if many are gonna be able to make the trek up to St Albans on Saturday?
0: Yeah, I believe we're looking at. Um, so we're we're taking a we're taking a players a players coach, um, and I believe a few family and friends are coming on that as well. And I've got a feeling that the the club are also looking to to bring another coach up. So I think you know they've they've called our reserve game off, um, so people from the club can come up, and uh, it looks like the reserves are looking to come up as well. And the third team who supported us fantastically well in the in the last game where they brought a mini bus up. Um, were quite keen to get their game called off so they could come up and support us as well. But um, I don't think the Dorset League have allowed that, um, which which is a shame, but um, but yeah, I'm I'm hoping we'll be well supported um, and I'm hoping that we can we can give them something to support.
1: Well, you're absolutely right that the game against Cadbury Heath was the Western League's FA Cup final, but now everybody in the Western League family is firmly behind you and in your corner. No matter how many of your fans make it to St Albans, know that we are all right behind you on Saturday and we wish you the very, very best of luck.
0: Wonderful. Thanks very much.
1: Now, in the Premier Division... We moved from 203 watching that FA Cup second qualifying round replay to 35 at Hengrove uh, against Bitten, but um, those 35 saw every bit as wonderful a game as the the FA Cup match that we've just covered.
2: Yeah, the same result there, a 3-2 win uh, for Hengrove Athletic. Uh, Ryan Batten did actually score twice for Bitten, but it but it wasn't enough. Uh, and goals from Luke Crew, Scott Lewis, and finally Lewis Dunn, captain uh, scoring uh, for Hengrove, a, a 3-2 win.
1: And one game we'll dip into from the First Division, Chard Town, they were at home to the Miners, Radstock Town.
2: Yeah, and Radstock, uh, an impressive away win. Uh, Liam Cleal had given given Chard the uh, the lead, uh, but Jamie Rustall, uh, scoring on side of half-time, uh, gave Radstock the win, uh, 2-1 away from home
1: Now we move on to the FA Vars games that were taking place on Saturday the 23rd of September and we start with an impressive win away by Bridgewater Town.
2: Yeah, uh, another incredible cup game. Uh, Polter Park, that was, uh, to take on AFC season Horstall and it was 5-4 after extra time, so quite a thrilling, thrilling encounter. Um, seven minutes into extra time, uh, saw the winner. From Callum Ham, uh, four all going into that extra time period, and Ham, who had scored earlier in the match, and um, Sid Camper also scored twice uh, for the Bridge- Bridgewater. Uh, but yeah, uh, Ham, who previously had Cheddar, um, scored seven minutes into the extra time and sent Bridgewater through to the next round.
1: Well, the road to Wembley ended early for Bishop Sutton uh, at the home of Bovey Tracy.
2: Yeah, uh, 1 to see there for Bishop Sutton, so uh, they'll have to concentrate on, on league matches going forward. <coughs>
1: We've got an all-Western League tie here. Cabri-Heath at home to Shepton Mallet.
2: Yeah, and it was the home side who prevailed here. Cabri-Heath, uh, obviously, um, doing pretty well in the Cups this season. Um, uh, overcame their disappointing midweek loss uh, to, to get back into winning ways. And it was goals from Matt Huxley, who just mentioned. Lewis Ship, and also Jack Can. Uh, a 3-1 win for them.
1: Unfortunately, Carn Town couldn't progress any further in this year's competition. They went down at home to Downton.
2: Yeah, uh, another 1 0 loss, uh, unfortunately. Quite late, I think, the goal from Downton, so pound uh, knocked out of the uh, Epicenter.
1: Now, forgive me if I'm wrong, Tom, but I think Wellington are on something of a resurgence, aren't they? They're winning away 1 0 at Clevedon.
2: Yeah, uh, really impressive. Obviously, they've <laughs> had a couple of a- a home wins recently, and it seems to have uh, rejuvenated them a little bit. And it was a penalty uh, from Ian Ballinger, who had a good season last year. Uh, on the stroke of half-time, uh, managed to give Wellington the, uh, the the 1-0 win.
1: Brislington, they travelled to Crediton United.
2: Yeah, and uh, a, a goalless uh, game after 120 minutes, obviously went to spot kicks. And fortunately for our, for our fans, it was Brislington who prevailed at a 5-4 win on, on penalties, and they knock out Crediton.
1: Cribs, they fell away to Columpton Rangers.
2: Yeah, uh, what had been a, a free-scoring Cribs side have started to struggle a little bit in front of goal and unfortunately for them it was a really late uh, winner for Columpton Rangers a 2-1 win uh, with an 88-minute goal for the home side and uh, Cribs unfortunately knocked out.
1: Now another all ta- uh, all tool station Western League tie here between Hengrove Athletic and Ashton and Backwell and it was the home side <laughs> that will have gone away the happier.
2: Yeah, the Hengrove to have found their shooting boots and it's uh, Lewis Dunn, Luke Crew, and James Boyle here who scored for them uh, in a 3-1 win uh, over Ashton and Blackwell, and they to the next round.
1: Now, Tom, do we have any information, do we have any idea what happened between the London Lions and Malmesbury-Victoria?
2: We do, and unfortunately it's uh, bad news. Uh, Malmesbury-Victoria, there was a horrible injury to uh, Sam Parker. Had a very good season last year. Um, wish him all the best. He broke a kneecap, I believe, um, and crashing into the, the pitch side barriers. Uh, so that game was, was uh, abandoned quite rightfully. Uh, and, um, yeah, we wish him all the best
1: and our thoughts go out to Sam and his family and hopefully we'll keep you abreast of the developments with his recovery we wish him the best, we certainly do Indeed. now Longwell Green Sports, they were at home to Ivy Bridge Town
2: yeah, unfortunately Longwell Green Sports obviously struggling in uh, the league somewhat, uh, they managed to take this one to extra time, having drawn two all uh, after the 90 minutes um, but they went down to a, a 3-2 defeat at home to Ivy Bridgetown. And um, obviously they will now look to, to, to take this goal-scoring form into the league, hopefully, for them. Uh, and to start picking up some points, which obviously are quite, needed quite soon.
1: Now, Odd Down, they were at home to Oldland Abertonians.
2: Yeah, and it was uh, Kai Simpson who did all the scoring here for Odd Down. He grabbed a hat-trick. Uh, he opened the scoring after just 40 seconds. Uh, and then uh, added another uh, just five minutes later. So they made a really good start. Uh, Lewis Parker dispatched a spot kick to uh, reduce the arrears and get Oldland back into the game. Uh, before Simpson then completed his hat trick, uh, really late on, so he obviously scored in there. the first minute and the last minute. So a three-one win for Down.
1: Now last week's guests on the podcast were, of course, Portishead Town, and unfortunately, the curse of the podcast is alive and well, and um, in the favour of Bodmin, they've gone crashing out of the FA Vars.
2: Yeah, six-one uh, defeat for. Uh... Porter head so less said about that the better probably so obviously they'll concentrate on uh, their, their, their league form now very much
1: and uh, the Miners Radstock Town they were at home another all tool station Western league affair this time to Roman Glass St George yeah Radstock uh,
2: they, they're the team to progress uh, through to the next round uh, goal driver side of half time for them coming from Matt Minnis and then a, a really good free kick from Jack Wickham uh, led them to the 2-0 win over Roman Glass
1: um, Wh- Warminster Town, unfortunately, they couldn't overcome Farnham Town.
2: Yeah, slightly disappointing. Uh, 4-0 loss at home for Warminster. Um, doing all right in the league, but, um, yeah, uh, they, they were out of advance, unfortunately.
1: First Division High Flyers, Westbury United, uh, they triumphed against Christchurch.
2: Yeah, an excellent fight back. Uh, they were actually 2-0 no down at half-time, uh, Westbury, following goals from John Blake and Max Wilcock. Uh, they then managed to force extra time, uh, Second half goals from Dan Kovacs and Jake Hiscox, uh, meaning it was 2-2 uh, at the end of 90 minutes. Christchurch, the wayside, anyway, so then had a, a man sent off, uh, which allowed Westbury to push on, and they managed to take full advantage with Steve Holbert, Josh Ferguson and Kovacs adding his second uh, in the 30-minute period. They added a, three goals, and it was a 5-2 win for, for Westbury.
1: Now, from First Division high flyers to Premier League high flyers, Willen Rovers in emphatic form at home to Saltash United.
2: Yeah, indeed, not quite the comeback of uh, Westbury, but they did go behind uh, inside the opening 20 minutes, uh, but they managed to, to hit back themselves. Uh, James Blake uh, and Brad Austin both heading home to put them ahead, uh, and then late goals from Jordan Lovibond uh, with another header, so three headers, and then uh, Blake adding a second uh, in injury time to a 4-1 win for Willem.
1: And finally in the Vars, Wink out town, they weren't at the races at home to Plymouth Parkway.
2: No, uh, a 3-0 loss there for uh, Wincanton, so their uh, run comes to an end in the Cup.
1: Now, we move into the Premier Division, and Bitten were at home to um, Cup Specialist Bridport, and Bridport, they were in rampant fashion.
2: Yeah, and one man in particular, uh, former former Bitten striker uh, Mark Salter, he scored four goals uh, for Bridport in this 5-0 win. Um, It was... After seeing his teammate Richard Headitch open the scoring, uh, sort of completely took over and, and dominated the game, uh, doubling his lead, doubling the team's lead before half time, uh, and then adding a further three goals after the break uh, in a pretty one-sided game. But really good win for Bridport, obviously enjoying their uh, football right now.
1: Now I don't like to say I told you so, but I told you <laughs> so. Um, I did call this game out on last week's podcast as one to watch. Buckland Athletic, who of course have been ripping up trees planting them again, only so that they can rip them up once more in the Premier Division. They were at home to Bradford Town. Bit of an ask for Bradford, really, going away from home to the runaway leaders of the Premier Division. But they did it. They did it in front of a good crowd as well, Tom. They
2: did. Uh, and, uh, a really big game and, a, and, a, and an exciting game. Um, Bradford coming away with a 2-1 win. Uh, they were ahead uh, in the 12th minute through Sam Jordan uh, before Buckland managed to get back on, on level terms. Uh, with their top scorer, Jared Lewington, uh, managed to head home, uh, as he seems to do most Saturday afternoons. Uh, and then with ten minutes remaining, uh, Buckland have been holding on a little bit recently, a couple of couple of nervy wins. Uh, but this time it was Bradford who got the late goal, uh, with Will Halliston not in the ball home. And it's they who uh, remain unbeaten, uh, and not Buckland.
1: There you go. Now moving down into the first division, Almondsbury were at home to Cheddar.
2: And it was a 2-0 win for Cheddar away from home. They've recently parted company with manager uh, Jared Greenhouse, but they've managed to secure their fourth uh, league win of the season, a 2-0 win away at Almondsbury.
1: Bishops Lydiard, they were in good form at home to Sherbourne Town.
2: Yeah, uh, back-to-back league wins for the first time this season for Bishops Lydiard in the league. uh, A 3-1 win at home to Sherbourne. Uh, James Quick scored twice, uh, and also Charlie Wilson uh, grabbed a goal with uh, Daniel Quirk uh, netting for, for Sherbourne in defeat.
1: Now, there was an excellent crowd at Canesham Town for the visit of Chard Town, but the home fans will not have gone home happy.
2: No, um, very much not. Uh, it was nil-nil at half-time, uh, and then Chard really did uh, take control, uh, scoring three goals in the space of just 20 minutes uh, after half-time with James Boyland... Uh, Alex Staffy and uh, Max Westlake, Westlake putting them 3-0 up uh, Craig Wilson did manage to grab a consolation for the hosts but it wasn't to, to, to start a fight back and Cainsham fell to a 3-1 defeat at home to chart.
1: and finally in the first division Welton Rovers the Green Army they were at home to Corsham Town
2: yeah and it was uh, a, a pretty entertaining game a 2 one draw uh, late goals uh, with Welton they actually managed to go ahead through Francois Allen uh, before a second half double from Josh Bright uh, put Corsham ahead uh, they were in, in position to win with 10 minutes remaining. Uh, but then, it uh, at 87 minutes on the clock, first to shoot Chris Pyle, uh, beat his man, before squaring the ball to Jaden Savory, uh, their top scorer this season, and he managed to slot home and equaliser for Welton, so that finished 2 all.
1: Now, finally, um, something of a novelty for us on the podcast here. We've got an FA Vars game taking place on Sunday, the 24th of September, and it was Chippenham Park. They were at home to Camberley.
2: Yeah, I believe um, probably to do with the uh, ground clash with obviously Chiffin and Town, uh, but unfortunately Sundays uh, didn't prove uh, too too, too good for Chiffin Park and they fell to a 2-0 defeat at home to Camberley.
1: Now, we'll take a look at the fixtures coming up in the week commencing the 25th of September. There isn't any Monday night football, but there's quite a busy programme in the First Division on the 26th of September, and um, it starts at home to Carn Town. Do you want to run us through that, Tom?
2: Yeah, near a, near a full full uh, fixture list in the 1st Division on Tuesday, as you mentioned. There we got Calm Town versus Moundsbury-Victoria, uh, Cheddar versus Chard Town, uh, Caution Town versus Warminster Town, uh, Devises Town versus Welton Rovers, that's 7.30 as opposed to the others, which were 7.45. Uh, also at 7.45 we've got Canesham, uh, they're hosting Roman Glass and George, and then the final three are all 7.30 kick uh, We're Portishead Town against Almondsbury, Town versus Chiffinham Park, and Wincanton versus uh, the Informed
1: We've got a couple of games on on Wednesday, the 27th of September, in the Premier Division. Cadbury Heath they play host to Longwell Green Sports. That's a 7:30 kickoff, and in the Devon FA St Luke's Bowl, and Rovers they're at home to Ivy Bridge, and that's another 7:30 kickoff. We've got a. An absolute humdinger of a game in the FA Cup third round qualifying round. It's uh, Well, I'm going to let you do it, Tom, because it's a big one, isn't it?
2: It is. uh, Bridcourt, they'll be taking a huge support with them. Uh, And it's St Albans City they face uh, in the third qualifying round. So, obviously, uh, they're two rounds away from from, uh, some of the league sides joining uh, the competition. So, um, obviously, they're our last team standing. So, um, I think everyone will wish uh, Bridcourt all the best for Saturday afternoon.
1: Well, in last season's FA Cup competition, I know that St Albans ran Carlisle close. So it's no mean feat for Bridport, but we keep our fingers and our toes and everything else crossed. And for our remaining member side, imagine if Bridport... Could get us into the first round mm. proper of the FA Cup. That would be a wonderful thing. They're in absolutely okay. fantastic form, and they carry the hopes of the entire league with them. Now then, uh, a very healthy Premier Division uh, Premier Division uh, fixture list coming up on Saturday. Tom, do you want to kick us off with Bitten? They're at home, aren't they? Yep,
2: they are. Uh, they're, they're at home to Well City. Uh, we've also got Bradford Town against Bridgewater Town. Uh, Brislington take on Street. Uh, we've got Cadbury Heath versus. Uh, Buckland Athletic will hope to get back to winning ways. They try and take on Cribs. We've got Halland versus the Informed Wellington. We've got Melksham Town versus Hengrove, which looks like a good game. Uh, Shepton Mallet versus Chipping Sodbury Town. And finally, Willand Rovers. uh, They take on Cleveland Town.
1: And in the first division, I'll quickly run you through those fixtures. Again, another full list. We've got Bishop Sutton at home to Chippenham Park. Chard Town, they take on Devizes Town. Cheddar at home to Portishead. Corsham Town at home to Almondsbury. Marmonsbury, Victoria, they entertain Bishop's Lydiard. Old, Oldland, Abertonians, they're at home to Warminster Town. Radstock Town are at home to Ashton and Backwell. Roman Glass St George take on Wincanton. Sherbourne Town at home to Canegym Town. Welton Rovers at home to Town. And what a game we've got here. Westbury United at home to Bristol Telephones. Boom, banger, bang. Now, that's the one that I immediately <laughs> called out silly in a way, because I know that there's a bigger game in the FA Cup, but Tom, as I always do, what what games catch your eye there?
2: I mean, I think you've, yeah, stolen my thunder a little bit with the, <laughs> the Westbury uh, Bristol Telephones. Uh, both teams are uh, doing extremely well in the First Division. They look to be the uh, the cream of the crop uh, so far. Obviously, a long way to go. Uh, and then, obviously, in the uh, Premier Division, uh, Melkshire versus Hangrove which I sort of mentioned. Hangrave seem to have sort of found their form, which obviously they they produced to, to fight and grab a, grab the promotion spot last season and obviously Melch are a tough nut to crack at home so that should be a, an, an entertaining uh, fixture on Saturday
1: afternoon absolutely but of course we can't really take our eyes off St. Albans City no. against Bridport mm-hmm. and uh, if I was to find another game then I might be tempted to look at Brislington who are a very very good side on their day mm. they can beat anybody and they're at home to street now of course on their day they can beat anybody so that would be a very Interesting one to see now before we uh, entertain ourselves with the um, uh, with the league table, um, we have got a few parish notices am I, um, I did say this time last week that I was very keen on hearing from uh, our member clubs to promote the events that they've got going on um, the first thing I really should update the listeners on of course is the 125 years representative match that's the game that I spoke to Darren Perrin about where the Western League representative side will play England sea on Wednesday the 11th of October and I'll quickly run you through the team that's now been announced for that fixture if you haven't already seen it the team has been posted on the uh, Toolstation Western League website. But Jamie Bartlett from Bradford Town, Ricky Scott from Bradford Town, Dan Cottle from Bradford Town. Of course, we knew about Dan Cottle because I got that one out of Darren at the time. Jordan Walker from Bitton, Joe McLennan from Bitton, Liam Head from Buckland Athletic, Lloyd Gardner from Buckland Athletic, Jared Lewington from Buckland Athletic. Now we move on to Clevedon Town's contingent here, Sir Canty simpson Ollie Barnes and Ryan Gissing, all from Clevedon Town. And then from Cribs, we've got Jake Hodgson from Melksham Town. There are three players, Warren Maidment, Mike Perrott and Dan Demkiv. Street have got two players in the side, Craig Herrod and David O'Hare. And Willen Rovers, Luke Aden and Luke Mortimer make up our 16-man side. There may be changes, who can say? And also... There will undoubtedly be discussion and debate that's had between our member sides about the players that you would have liked to have seen in that representative match, but those are the players that's out there, and of course that game taking place on the 11th of October at Melksham Town. Now, perhaps... One of the most important dates coming up is the Groundhopper Weekend. On Friday, the sixth of October, Ashton and Backwell kick us off. They're at home to Bishop Sutton. On Saturday, we've got four games. Welton Rovers at home to Kensham, Radstock Town at home to Oldland, Odd Down at home to Bitton and Hengrove. At home to Hallen. If you are a really ardent football fan, you could just about make it to all of them on Saturday, the 7th of October. And rounding up the Groundhopper weekend on Sunday, the 8th of October, Shepton Mallant at home to Brislington and finally. Bishop's Lydiard at home to Cheddar. Now, I am very pleased to say that one member club did get in touch with me and it's Simon Wilkinson from Rabstock Town and, of course, he was very keen to plug his game on the 7th of October uh, against Oldland, which we've just done and then we also um, heard from him that on uh, on the 10th of uh, uh, november they 've got their firework extravaganza as well, so if you have got any events coming up at your club, please let us know because we will plug them through the through the western League podcast and as we kicked off today 's podcast with an interview from Sandy Webb about the one hundred and twenty five years of the tool station western league let 's plug. The hundred and twenty-fifth anniversary dinner which is taking place on October the fourteenth at the Bristol Marriott City Centre Hotel. And the uh, tickets for that wonderful event are £45. And um, anybody wishing to, um, um, to get in touch um, with the Western League about booking those tickets should get in touch with Sue Merrill. Um, be fantastic to see as many people there as possible. I'm sure it'll be a it will be a wonderful evening. Now Tom. And um, we will have a little bit of a look at the league table, and um, because that would be the right, only the right way to sort of round up today's uh, um, uh, uh, podcast. And uh, do you want to take us through who are the, who are who are this week's winners and losers?
2: Sure. Obviously, we have quite a lot of cup action. Not too much change, but at the top of the Premier Division, uh, obviously, buckland continue to lead the way despite defeat on the weekend. They played ten. They have twenty-three points. Uh, Willand Rovers uh, doing well. Best goal difference in the league. They're second. Uh, nine played, twenty points. Uh, the Street also on 20 points, they've played 10 matches and then in 4th or 5th we've got Bradford Town, obviously still unbeaten they've got 19 points from 9 games and Shepton Mallet doing well, uh, 6 wins from their 10 fixtures, they've also got 19 points.
1: Then in the 1st Division I can see Westbury United topping things, they've played 11, they've got 23 points, but the Dark Horses, well they're not that dark because Bristol Telephones have um, only lost once this season but they've won 7 of the 8 games that they've played, they're in 2nd place, they're only 2 games, uh, 2 points behind uh, the leaders Westbury on 21 points they're doing very well as are of course Oldland Abertonians and they are tied on 18 points with Bishop Sutton so um, so those are the teams that are making the early running this season but there's plenty of time to go Tom thank you very much for your time as always and uh, thank you very much for the excellent bulletin that you've put together this week that is on the Western League website I believe Yeah,
2: uh, downloadable uh, in PDF and uh, Word format on the uh, on the website. Yeah,
1: and finally, can we read your words in the non-league paper?
2: Yeah, slightly smaller uh, section this week, just 120 words on the two fixtures that took place in the uh, Premier Division.
1: Tom, thank you very much for your time. We've got an absolutely we've got a humdinger of an FA Cup tie to talk (laughs) about next week, and plenty of football as well. But from Tom and myself, this has been another Toolstation Western League podcast.